Whether you have a diagnosis or not, I don't care. I'll teach you how to find what's causing your health struggles using the blood work you already have right here on this podcast, but also in my new book, Why Are My Labs Normal? Go grab it on Amazon and let me know you love it and appreciate the knowledge by leaving a review for both the book and this podcast. In fact, this October, I have recorded so many interviews, I need to get them to you guys to learn and grow from faster. Each Tuesday episode is a double whammy. Each Tuesday episode will contain two interviews I had with two amazing guests. So let's jump in. But first, let me tell you a quick funny little story about myself. There will be a new one each Tuesday this month. So it's not very often that I get to go to the grocery store by myself. Usually I have my five-year-old and my two-year-old with me. And at times it can get quite crazy because they're five and two. So this time I had convinced my husband after I had already gone to Sam's Club for a $500-ish purchase of food, which I don't do very often. I only go to Sam's Club like twice a year but he was in charge of a young men's church activity. He was in charge of all the food for it. So I had to go buy the food. Well, we needed to restock. So I ended up going to Sam's Club twice in one day. Again, very unusual for me to even go there to begin with. So I convinced him that I could be there and back on a Friday night I could do it by myself and he could have both of the kids because usually when I want to leave the house and do the grocery store shopping on my own, he always says I have to take one kid with with me. This time I convinced him I don't need a child with me. I could do it lots faster with that one. But of course, as a mom with two young kids running my own business, I need a break here and there. So I was going to go to Sam's Club and do the shopping that we needed and not hurry so much. But that's not in me. I realized 32 minutes later after I had my entire cart full of another $500 grocery store run, it had only been 32 minutes. And I was like, hmm, how do people meander down the halls and just kind of look at things? I like physically can't do it. I don't know how. It's always go, 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 go. Impact more lives. Go, 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 go. So next time you go to the grocery store, you can think of me and how I don't know how to walk through a grocery store slowly. All right, here we go. Welcome to the Beyond the Diagnosis podcast with me and Dr. Kylie. Today's guest is Connie. She is a mom and a fitness guru, but she's more important than that. She's going to teach you how to do exercise and weight loss and nutrition right. So in this podcast episode, we're going to debunk the myths of low caloric diets, pounding the gym slash the cardio, calories in versus calories out, skinny teas and detoxes, plus those six-week ab programs that we're all seeing. And she's going to teach us what to do instead of these myth-defying, destroying body kind of things that we're all accustomed to hearing. So Connie, welcome on. Hey, yeah. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. And just so you know, Connie hosts a podcast herself called The Fit Farming Food Mom. 
You can find her at ConnieNightingale.com and at Instagram at ConnieBegani. And we'll have those links in the show notes. But let's talk about finding true health. Okay. So this is kind of a long and drawn out story and I'll give you the sweet and condensed version. But basically in 2015, I had a child that was really struggling with like ADHD and bipolar like tendencies. And I was one of those very, I was raised very holistically. So I wasn't one of those people that when doctors were like, oh, we need to put your child on medication. I wasn't one of those people that was like, yeah, sign me up, you know, but it got to where by the time he had gotten a little bit older, things were getting a little bit crazy. And his teachers were like, listen, he really needs some help. He can't focus on anything. And it also got to where when he was in our home environment, it was hard to have positive things going on because he was just off the wall all the time. And we had tried How several old? things. Oh, that's um, he was about, by the time we started seeking intervention, he was about seven. Okay. So, um, anyway, so we started, um, at one point my husband and I talked about it and we had tried all these things previous to con considering medication. Um, we had done, remove the red dyes and remove all these things, but it never was accumulation of the right things. And I, I know better now that I'm educated. Right. But, but back then we were just scraping, trying to figure something out and get answers. And so finally at one point we decided to consider medications and that started a whole snowball of really bad things. So uh, the medications, it was like one turned into the next and next thing you know, they had him on a bunch and he was severely depressed and all of these crazy mental health things were going on. And I couldn't believe that it was happening with my, probably he was eight, you know, after we had tried this for quite some time and I was desperate and I was researching every facet that I could to try to figure out what I can do for my child. And it was like magic. I heard about this conference. There was a actually a functional medicine doctor speaking there. And all she works with is children with like ADHD and autism and all of these spectrum disorders, Tourette's and stuff. And it, I, I looked at it and I was like, I got to go. I got to like, I told my husband, this is really important. I think we might get something out of this. And I remember we both went together and we sat there and she was talking about all of these neurodevelopmental issues that kids have and how it is related to GI health or can be related to GI health and then the environment that they're in. And, and I remember at that moment, all the things she was saying just was like, oh my gosh, this is my kid. And afterwards, she literally sat down with us and she was like, I could tell you guys had a real problem at home because every time I said something, you were like, <laughs> you know, like, like, what's going on here? Right. So uh, anyway, she's like, I have a uh, actual group of parents that meet once a month. I have one coming up. And if you wanted to come see what we're all about, we could maybe help you. And I was like, please. And I wasn't able, my husband wasn't able to go with me the, the first time that I went down to her practice, but they had a speaker down there talking about the GAPS diet. And it's been changed. The name has been changed a little bit now, but the, the name of the book, and it's a, an amazing read is gut and psychology. They change it to gut and physiology, but gut and psychology syndrome will get you what you need. Incredible read on how our nutrition impacts our mental health and how our gut health impacts our mental health and all of these Hence the epidemic of mental health right now. Oh yeah. And I mean, there's so many factors, right? But that's just largely a big part of it. I think in my head, um, I mean, there's other things you have going on like birth control. 
uh, depleting serotonin. And those are all things that we could really dive into and would be a whole episode in themselves. But um, anyway, I, I, I learned from that meeting. I remember being like, I have to do this. And I remember within the first 20 minutes of hearing this woman talk, I was like, I have tried everything. My, I have to save my child at this point. And, and this is what I have to do. And I came home and I told my husband what we were going to do. And the GAPS diet is extreme. It's as extreme as they get, right? But after listening to this lady, I was convinced that not only did I need to do it for my son, I need to do it for myself because I had been struggling with a lot of things my whole life. And they kind of came up in this meeting as well. And I was like, huh. And I remember getting home and telling my husband, we're going to cleanse our cabinets. We're going to cook everything from scratch. Everything is not going to have an ingredient label. And he was like, are you kidding me, woman? Like, you really think you're going to do this? And I was like, yes, I'm going to do this. I'm going to research it. I'm going to figure it out. And I, that night, I mean, it's like 10 o'clock at night. I have boxes in my living room and I'm dumping everything in my closet. I start going through the ingredient labels and reading all these ingredients. And I was like, I couldn't believe it. I had read ingredient labels before, but all I really looked at like was the calories and the fat and the protein and, and a couple things here and there. And I was like, Oh, okay. It's good. It doesn't have corn syrup in it. It doesn't have red 40. We're good. Right. I didn't realize how much sugar we were consuming and how much sugar was in every single ingredient and every single thing that we had. And it was a huge eye opener after this lady, like instructing us on what you could and couldn't have. And like what, what was in our labels to see that I had to literally cleanse, I would say 96% of my house (laughs) worth of food, aside from like the couple fresh vegetables and some meat that I had in my refrigerator, it all ended up having to go. And it was such a huge eye opener when I learned what we were eating and how it could have been affecting our overall health. Yeah. When you say looking at the label, now you look at it way differently. Walk us through it. When you were to see a label, what would you do? I would most, most of the time search, like look right at the little box that says, you know, nutrition information. And it says calories, 90 fat 14 you know protein three or and I wasn't ever even really considering what like the macronutrients as far as a protein carbohydrate and fat standpoint goes I was totally just looking at the calories and being like oh this is low calorie you can have it or or, and then I'd skim over the the ingredients and I'd I'd look for artificial dyes like red 40 or blue or you know things like that or high fructose corn syrup but that was it I mean, if it said sugar, it was good. If it's, you know, I mean, there's so many other things, right? Words you didn't know. And you're just cool with, with whatever that word might be, even though you have no idea what it is, it must be edible, right? Yeah. So now what are, what are some alarms when you see in the a label, what is alarming now? I would say the, honestly, there's a lot alarming about labels. So that could be real hard to go through, but I'd say the thing now if you don't understand what that word is and you can't picture it growing in a field somewhere, like you could picture a cow beef or chicken, you can picture that thing in its original form and you can picture a strawberry in its original form, right? All of those things that are real tangible things that we can envision in our head, then I would say, okay, it's probably okay. But you start getting into all of these, these fillers and these dyes and these words that you can't actually Chemicals, even pronounce. Yeah. Preservatives. Like, you can't, you cannot be eating that stuff and it is destroying your health. Yeah. Yeah. Labels are big. Um, I remember way back when, when I was barely out of 
undergraduate, like at least 10 years ago. I did a presentation for high schoolers who were on the track team, mostly cross country. They were up in the mountains here in Utah at their high adventure camp where they were basically running at elevation 10,000 feet doing all their training there. And the coaches knew I was in nutrition and, and walking down somewhat of the route like this, not anything like I'm doing now. But I had, I went to the grocery store and I got 20 different granola bars and protein bars. And I walked them through how to read this label. And just because it says 100 calories on this granola bar, doesn't mean that it's healthier than this protein bar or power bar that has, you know, 250 calories. And I had to walk them through what to look for. And one of them, well, this funny little boy, he wasn't little, I guess he was probably 14, 15. But one of the bars were something about women. I can't remember the brand name. Oh, Luna Bar. Luna Bar. And it was like for women, right? And he went off about how this was a good for women's hormones and did his like fancy 15 year old spiel, even though I have no idea what I'm talking about kind of thing. Um, but it gave us a new light on the idea of here are these high schoolers, multiple of them in, in the camp had eating disorders. The worst one was a 12-year-old little boy whose mom had driven up for my presentation from, it was like three and a half hour drive from where they where their high school was from their, to their camp. And thus his whole thing was, I need to eat low calories. And it all began with a, an event he watched at school where there was an obese kid that was getting made fun of. And he vowed right then and there that he was never going to be obese. So at 12 years old, he joined the cross-country track team, was running his freaking guts out. And after all of my hour and a half long conversation with them, he pulled out one information that I, that I didn't even talk about. He went to his mom and he said, mom, I need to start drinking. Um, what's the, what's the milk? I can't even tell you because I don't talk about this. The 0% milk or, or mm -hmm, free milk, skim yeah. milk, right? Skim milk. Mom, I need to start drinking skim milk. Never once in my entire 90 minute conversation did I ever talk about dairy or milk. But in his mind, that's what he heard. So you have to think about what are our kids, what are we hearing that's not being said? Or what are we seeing and then flipping it in the wrong way? And it's totally screwing with our version of healthy. Now, healthy, I know several women, especially here in Utah, it's a big, big time problem where they look the part, but their health is a freaking wreck. And when you talk to them, like, oh, well, I just want to lose eight pounds. Really? You have fibromyalgia and RA and all these other crap things, and you care about eight pounds? When, if you were to lose eight pounds, I would think you're anorexic. You look the part, but they ain't healthy. Our oh, kids, yeah. the same way. We're getting, our kids are being bombarded. So let's talk about this myth of low calories and actually of what we need to do truly to become healthy. And it has no, nothing to do with our body weight, the size of clothes that we're wearing, or BMI, or anything else they want to measure your body size with. Absolutely. Well, and, you know, we'll dive into that here momentarily, but I do want to reverse on something you said there a little bit, and that 
is that the way women speak about themselves in front of their children nowadays is awful. Um, and you, when, when not just women, just, men too. Well, yeah, we're more it's corporates more, because we're we gotta have the body image. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, but we think I mean, of like my, you're in the bodybuilding world. My husband's in the bodybuilding world, where he's like, oh, I'm so fat, and it, you pull up a shirt, he's got a six pack abs. Like, really, that's how you're talking about yourself. Mm-hmm. Your five year old son's listening to that. Yeah, and your daughters are listening to mm-hmm. that, and and so we have to be very mindful that at a young age they are picking up on these things. And if we are constantly worrying about what the scale says, or if we're dieting, or we're telling them we are trying to lose weight, we are implanting something into their brain at a very young age that they need to be losing weight and that that is what they should do. So right off the bat, uh, more and more women, especially with the presence of social media or young ladies, they are automatically predisposed to eating disorders or terrible eating habits and behaviors, dieting behaviors, et cetera, because of what they are seeing on the internet and also what their moms or their dads might be saying. So uh, anyway, now we can take that now into calories in versus calories out, right? (laughs) So you hear this all the time, eat less, move more calories in versus calories out more of a caloric caloric deficit if you want to lose weight. But we are in a society now where people have been yo-yo dieting and chronically dieting for so long that our metabolisms are broken right? We have all of these metabolic adaptations that have begun to happen because we are not feeding ourselves correctly. And how many people do you see, Kylie, as a doctor that have been doing these chronic behaviors, dieting, exercising, and their thyroid is no longer producing the hormones that it needs. They're no well, their longer- hormones made- are a mess. Hormones yeah. are a mess. And thyroid PCOS, that's a big one too. Um, mm-hmm. I, I was just at church yesterday and I'm looking around and I'm thinking, oh man, the, she's 14 year olds old and I know nothing about her health, but I can guarantee you she's got PCOS because mm-hmm. she was this little teeny girl that just hit puberty and boom. Mm-hmm. Well, and then you're also seeing these young ladies that are actually struggling with PCOS prematurely because of the nutrition they've been fed, the stress in their life, the dieting habits, all of these things, they are developing this. And then what happens, they have these terrible cycles. So then they go into their doctor's office and their doctor's office at 12, 13, 14 is like, Oh, well, we have the fix for that. Let's just Here's put some you birth on control. Birth control. <laughs> <laughs> so it is becoming a big product, a big problem in society. And so that is something that we as parents need to be aware of, right? At, right off the bat, we, our habits, and you hear this all the time with parents, especially they're like, well, my, t- my child eats a bunch of junk food, but they're not overweight. So it's okay. Well, but when is that going to catch up with you? If you walk around with a sore on your foot for a little while, on this rocky ground, guess what? After a while, it turns into a blister. And after a while, I don't know if you've had one of those extreme blisters where the bottom of your foot peels off after a night in heels for too long or going for too long of a hike, but it manifests into something. And that's how our health is. So, I mean, really calorically speaking, starting from a young age, we actually don't need to worry about the calories. Like the calories aren't the big thing. What's the big thing is feeding ourselves nutrition that has not only macronutrients, which is protein, carbs, and fats, but micronutrients as well. The things that are going to feed our gut flora. Yep. The colors inside the food. 
Yeah, exactly. Things that are going to feed and nourish our bodies. It is not so much the quantity as it is the quality. I, I want to get into this too, because whenever I talk about weight and losing weight and, and body image in general, I've seen so many people who eat gloriously. They do all the things. They cross the T's, they dot their I's when it comes to exercise and nutrition, and yet they still have like 50, 60, 100 pounds to lose, according to social. If we don't address the bodies, and it's my big time belief that the body will protect itself by adding layers. So if we're talking stress, we're talking an unsafe environment, whether it be home, work, office, um, if, you're, if your subconscious is thinking, you know, I need some way to protect myself from this individual or from this circumstance happening or whatever it may be, even, you know, the four-year-old little boy who, who you see is running around and, and starting to gain weight and you're concerned about his diet and his nutrition, but maybe they're on point. So before you go judging, especially the mom in the grocery store aisle, think about maybe it's their environment that's not safe and their body's literally protecting itself whether that be daycare, whether that, whatever it is, um, not only from that standpoint of safety, but also the standpoint of there's no way around it. Our environments are toxic. In so many ways. Chemicals right? in, chemicals out. Let's, let's, mm-hmm. Instead of calories in, calories out, let's talk yeah. chemicals in, calories, chemicals out. And that's a whole nother thing, right? You've got, you're dealing with this huge, huge puzzle with so many pieces and so many facets. And there's not just nutrition as one. There's not just stress. It's not just exercise. It's all of these things. And when you want to heal this and become better and become healthier, you have to start considering all of these different moving parts. It's not just that one thing. It's not just the one diet. It's not just the one exercise program. It's not just that one meditation app that you've now pulled in. It's everything. And then let's reverse to that just a little bit. How about the mental aspect of it. How many people do need to lose 50 or 60 pounds? They hit that plateau. Like they're trying to to get their health back. They're trying to lose that weight. They're trying to do all the things right, but they just can't get there. Well, how many times have they told themselves they can't get there because our body also reacts to our thoughts. So the mind is a powerful thing. Yes. You can literally convince your body to do anything. If you want to be really sick. I mean, how many people have you seen Kylie that are really, really sick? Well, they say, oh, well, I have fibromyalgia or I have Hashimoto's or of course you do. If you're telling your body that Mm -hmm. like, let's change it. And let's say I'm fighting this and I'm about to win the battle. Absolutely. And it's the same as saying story. We tell ourselves. Absolutely. And it's the same as saying I'm in a bad mood today. Like, okay, are you really in a bad mood? Was this a bad moment? Or are you going to decide to own that and be in a bad mood for the rest of that day? There's no difference there. So there's a huge mental component, spiritual, physical, outer, like there's toxins, there's all the things. Stress is huge. And we can kind of, I know we touched on this and this is probably part of one of your talking points here, but um, many people, like you said, will have immaculate nutrition, but they're under loads and loads of stress. And stress is the biggest thing I find in people's lives that is causing them to have poor health and poor habits and poor patterns of thinking. Oh, I and hear it all the time. I, I was doing really good with my health until 2018. And then I hit the stressful environment and everything stinked. Yeah. And it's really an awful thing. And, and I mean, 
we can dive into this a little further by talking about the keto diet, right? So many people, this is, and I'm bringing this up because it has become a, a huge fad in the weight loss world. Now, I personally am not against keto. I think there are some great qualities and situations that it can be used in. If you know what you're doing, <laughs> okay? Like there are, a lot, you don't just, you just don't go on the keto diet. You mean I, I can't just Google search keto and do what, you know, this doctor tells me to do by my on my own and see amazing results in three weeks? Yeah, probably not. I mean, there's a lot of factors involved having a professional that understands what's going on and understands what's happening with your body and knows what your lab work looks like is a real big part of that. So uh, Wait, did you in? say knows what your lab work looks like? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Yep. Well, yeah, there is a big and I mean, that's I think as you as you know, that's a big portion of my particular business model as well. I won't even recommend a supplement to somebody unless I've seen their lab work because there are so many places where that could go wrong. And even in the stress realm, right? You get into the stress realm and people are like, oh, well, I'm taking this, this phosphatidylstetrine. It's going to help me reduce my, yeah, it's going to help me re reduce my cortisol levels. Well, what happens when you are on the top of that bell curve and now you are, you have diabetes of your adrenals where your cortisol is trending downwards. And now you are slamming it with some phosphatidylstetrine and all of these adaptogens to lower the cortisol that's already on the downside. Like there's a lot of things we have to consider when we start supplementing, but back to the keto thing. Um, no amount of keto is going to get your metabolism and your insulin sensitivity better if you do not have controlled stress levels. So you see this so many times where people are like, well, I tried keto, it didn't work for me. Or I tried X diet, it didn't work for me. Or my doctor, I have diabetes, you know, type two diabetes. I cannot seem to get it under control, even though I have adopted a better eating routine. And it's like, well, if your stress is high, your blood sugar is going to be high. Your insulin levels are going to be high. You are more than likely going to be struggling with some kind of insulin resistance and it has nothing to do with nutrition. So that kind of goes back to lifestyle choices and, and your ways of thinking and your stress management. It's far beyond just calories in and calories out. Yeah. All right. We've tackled low caloric diets. We've tackled calories in versus calories out. What about this concept of if I want to lose weight, I just need to go run. Oh my goodness. And run and run some more. Well, that goes back into the eat less, move more thing, but I don't know what it is. And I don't know when this started, but it seems to be that when women in particular, some men too, but it, I see it more prevalent in women, they think that cardio is the answer, right? Because it burns calories. Well, it burns calories when you're doing it. But the thing is, is it's not building any kind of muscle or metabolic foundations to help you have burn more calories doing nothing. Does that make sense? So let me kind of explain this in a nutshell. It's like, it's like when people say, you know, you want, you want your money to make more money while you're sleeping. You want yeah. it to do its work. It's the same thing. You want mm -hmm. to be able to do exercise that continues to burn after the exercise is over. Absolutely. And people that have more muscle burn more calories sitting around doing absolutely nothing. And, and that's only one benefit of just weight training, right? That's why everyone With says my husband's, they're all jealous of my husband because he can do, the, this, is, this is a perfect example here. I mean, the man's got great genetics, I'm not going to lie. He can build muscle like the blink of an eye. But 
when he's built that foundation of metabolism and the muscle mass, he can not go to the gym for six months, show up at the gym, lift more than the people who have been there and who have never stopped, get the arms back, get the back, like get it all back within one or two sessions because he's built the strong foundation. It's the same thing that we do. We can't, we can't go run, you know, it's May, beginning of the summer here, except we had snow on the ground this morning. <laughs> um, go running for a couple of weeks and then not do anything all winter, all fall, all spring, and expect it to revamp really easily. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, the thing that we have to think about is muscles expensive and also sugar and our blood sugar and all of these things. That is what uses, that is what your muscle uses as energy, right? So I think a big problem in today's society is we are lacking muscular density. We aren't picking things up. We're not moving appropriately. How many people do you know that have back pain? Society should not have back pain. It doesn't matter if you're at a desk job or not. If you are strengthening your posterior chain, your back, your erectors, all these things, you should not have back pain because you should have the muscularity to hold that up erect when you're at that desk job. So that alone is a really important part of strength training. It is great to prevent osteoporosis, but also that sugar that we're eating, it fuels these muscles. The more muscle we have, the more sugar we can consume, the better it is for our metabolism. Now, I'm not saying lift weights and eat tons of sugar. Uh, don't take that the wrong way. But what I am saying is that you are going to be so much healthier and so much better off in the long run, whether it be stress that you're dealing with. Any place that you can put that sugar the more place you have to put it is going to be a really important part of an overall health factor. Yeah. Okay. Skinny teas and detoxes. Oh my goodness. This is a, this is a very frustrating thing. Okay. So we, many people have been riding the diet train for far too long and they're always looking for that next thing that's going to be fast and that's going to get them there right and all of these things work on mechanisms of like dehydration or diarrhea or the things that are going to make you lose like 10 pounds right away right and they get people excited and then guess what happens when you get rehydrated or you you bounce back from that carbohydrate restrictive diet or whatever it may be uh it just comes back it's just a fad and that's that overnight wow factor that these things use to market themselves but anything that actually is quality and that is going to get you where you need to go in your health or fitness journey, weight loss, whatever it may be, um, is going to take time. Our bodies don't instantly respond to things. I mean, they might in little ways, but the big changes take extreme amounts of time. And especially when you've spent a lot of your life doing these things, these, these detoxes, these roller coasters of diets, uh, over-exercising, eating all the bad things, chronic stress. These things happened over time. They didn't happen instantly. So if you're seeing an eight-week transformation or a cleanse or a detox or anything instant, run away. It is not going to get you where you need to go. Yeah. Okay, what should we do instead? Uh, well, eat real food is a great place to start. Managing our stress is a fantastic place to start. And pick up some weights. And when I say this, I don't mean go pick up some weights and exercise as hard as you can five days a week. I mean, start doing foundational movements, things that we were meant to do as humans two to three times a week. 
I mean, make it reasonable, but start moving your body. Go for walks. People don't understand how good walking is for you. It is not strength training. However, walking is very mentally healthy for us. It's a great place to just move our bodies and in the morning, jump out, go for a walk, get in the sun. It regulates your circadian rhythms. It helps, uh, it helps moderate modulate your cortisol patterns. And so walking is a really great thing. Don't abuse yourself with all this cardio and running and start to pick up some weights because I think you'll find it's a huge game changer in how your overall feelings, uh, of yourself. And then also mentally as well, the endorphin release, uh, the new, the way it handles your partitions, your nutrients, all of that. It's, it's an excellent thing. Connie, tell them how they can, they can find you and walk down this road with you again. Um, so yeah, people can pop on over to my website, ConnieNightingale.com. I've got a lot of links on there, podcasts I've been on or Instagram. I try to be good about putting information on Instagram. I do a lot of meal prep stuff there. I'm currently prepping for a really large powerlifting meet. So there's been a lot of that kind of stuff on there, but, uh, or you can pop on over to my, uh, podcast, which is the fit farming food mom. I have everything under the sun on that podcast. So you should be able to find something that entertains you. <laughs> And one last question. If you were to lose everything, your business, everything, where would you start? Uh, well, so that's a tough question, but I, I honestly think that I would still remain in the health space. Uh, no, I mean, do I know what I know now? I guess it would be the, the thing, but yeah, I would, I would remain in the health space. Definitely. Um, I think the, the things that I would change is I would probably have started earlier right? <laughs> That's the big thing. Like I, you can never get that time back. And so now it's a constant struggle to just keep pouring on the knowledge to have a great understanding of the human body. And if you were to give one piece of advice to health coaches like yourself, that would help propel their business forward. What would that advice be? Um, everybody is unique and individual. We cannot, we cannot we cannot work with symptoms. We cannot put people in a box. There is so many differences for clients, patients, whatever it, you may be working with that you need to take all of that into consideration. It's not a one size fits all, no matter what the, the medical standpoint says about it. Right. I mean, you as functional medicine, you probably know they're like, Oh, if this is going on, treat it this way. Right. There's a little bit of an allopathic meld to that, uh, even now in functional and integrative medicine. And I think we as providers or coaches, we need to understand everybody is so different that we need to think outside of the box sometimes when it comes to helping people achieve their health and fitness goals. Cool. All right, guys, you heard it. Welcome to the Beyond the Diagnosis podcast with me, Dr. Kylie. Today's topic is a topic I love to address because healing doesn't just take physical healing. And in fact, healing pain or physical pain can come from more things than physical symptoms and physical problems. Today, I have with me Ashley Hollick, um, who helps women who have escaped abusive relationships find true healing and thrive again. And so if you, I guarantee you know someone who has been in these shoes, you might not know it, but you do. Um, who have been in this type of relationship and have watched or have experienced your health fall apart. 
Ashley, take it over. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Um, would you like me to just dive in? Dive into your background, why this niche for you, and then we'll get into some good stuff about how women can overcome their physical health symptoms that were caused by the abusive relationship. Yes. So the reason why I started this business and I'm in this work is because about 19 months ago in the fall of 2020, I actually healed 12 years of chronic debilitating back pain that I had had for, you know, 12 years. I also had stomach issues as well. Um, and it wasn't like a little back ache, you know, it wasn't just like, oh, my back kind of hurts. Um, it was always a six to a 10. And you know, at its worst, I was throwing my back out too. So I threw my back out probably about seven times in those first five years. And it started when I was 21. So I was very young to be throwing my back out. Um, and there when was you say throwing your back out, I'm, I'm, I'm chiropractor by nature. So I know what that means typically, but what does that mean for someone who's just listening? Like, like are you grabbing a ball and throwing it or what's really <laughs> so, going on? So there would be a tiny incident, usually um, the couple of times it was sneezing, another time it was coughing, one time it was picking my son up out of the bathtub, and there would be this twinge in my low back. And then, you know, I started to understand what was going on, but at first it just, it would just go out completely. I couldn't move. I was in extreme pain. Um, and I realized later, like my muscles were spasming. Um, and then from that point on, I would be down for the count for days. I could barely walk. The pain was so excruciating. I couldn't stand. Um, those were the only times where I actually went to the doctor. I would go to the doctor. I don't, I always had to go to the emergency room because it was always on a holiday weekend, but I'd go because I was in so much pain and they would give me pain medicine. Um, because I, I didn't take it any other times besides when I would throw it out. And so basically it'd be three to five days of me being in a level 12 pain. Yeah, so many times when I was doing chiropractic school because I don't own the table and I haven't owned the table in a while, they would say, well, I just reached over to grab something off the floor and now I can't move my back. Or I woke up and now I can't move my neck. You know, those are the type of scenarios where there's more to it than just a physical issue. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But now your life is different. Yes, it's much different. Um, you know, there there actually was a point where the pain did go away when I started doing yoga. And I went like three times a week for about three months. And then after those three months, the pain started to go away. And it stayed away for about a year. And then uh, something happened. My son stopped liking the daycare. And so I had to stop going. And within a few months, like four months, the pain started coming back. And a month later, it was back as bad as it had ever been. And that time it was almost worse because I had like 14 months without the pain after, after six years of having the pain. And um, I, you know, I spent a few months like that. I was like, this is awful. I need to figure out what this, what's going on. This was in uh, 2020, in the summer of 2020, or no, right before and so I started going back to yoga and then the pandemic hit and everything closed. And I had gone to like five classes and looking back on it, it was kind of like, 
aside, like, no, it's not the yoga. It's not the yoga that's helping you. Like you need to go deeper. And then that's when I started to like think what else could it possibly be? When you go deeper, what, what started you on this deeper journey? Yeah. So, um, in the summer of 2020, you know, when everyone's locked up in their pandemic state, I started reading a lot more. I was reading some books by Gabby Bernstein and just kind of connecting more to a spirituality and manifestation and really focusing on myself. I was, you know, I started a gratitude practice and then I was kind of writing my 10 goals every morning, things that I wanted to call to my life. And one of the things that I wrote every morning was I am back pain free since 2020. I wrote it every single day and it was one of the biggest things for me, but I had no idea how. Um, and then in the fall of 2020, I first heard about emotional trauma being stored as physical pain. I, I don't even know where I heard it, but I, I heard it. And I was like, that is crazy. Like, there's no way that that's possible. And, you know, obviously I'm aware that I was in an abusive relationship 12 years prior, but I thought that I had healed, you know, I was happy. I was always, I'm always smiling. I'm a very bubbly person. I have two amazing sons, an amazing husband who was so good to me. We had just bought a house in Texas. We had just bought our first house. You know, I felt like I was completely thriving, but obviously I still had this intense physical pain. Um, and it was so bad. We had people come to visit us at our new home. And while they were here, I was laying on the ground because my back hurt so bad. Like it hurt for me to sit. It hurt for me to stand. When I did try standing up to like talk to them, I was, you know, leaning on the counter because I couldn't stand up straight. And so I heard, you know, emotional trauma can be stored as physical pain. And I was like, maybe this is it. Maybe, maybe this is a possibility because I've exhausted everything. I've done the heat and ice. I've done the physical therapy. I've done mm -hmm. the stretching. I was like, maybe this is it. And, um, and then I ended up in a manifestation course. I was like, Oh, this will be a fun course. Like I'm going to learn to manifest better. And inside of it, it ended up being all of this healing work. And so I did like four to five weeks of just really deep healing. Um, and after, after that, I woke up and I had no back pain and it was completely gone. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's why when you told your story, I was like, okay, we got to tell the story. We got to tell that there is more to physical symptoms than physical healing. And when I started to realize this in my own practice, I've incorporated other modalities to help people in their healing journey because you can only do physical symptoms and physical treatments for so long, whether that be your ice and stem units or that be physical therapy or that be every supplement under the sun. Like, Unless you're going to dig deep and be willing to go in and do some dirty work, you're not going to reach your full potential. You will hit some type of platform or plateau with your healing journey if you're only caring about the physical and the physical healing. And uh, so I just think that's so cool. So, all right. So you've experienced this emotional trauma healing, which has also healed your physical symptoms. Walk us through for the listeners who are thinking maybe this is them. How can they know that? I'm in a way. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, so I guess the first step would be 
being open to the possibility that that might be what's going on with you. Um, obviously for me, I knew that I had this big major um, event, this huge <laughs> uh, trauma that I had been through. So I knew that that could be a possibility. And um, at the time I was still kind of thinking about it all the time. Um, I was still kind of thinking, why did you do this to me? It wasn't fair. And I still had a lot of uh, anger and hate towards this person too. So it wasn't like I wasn't not thinking about this. And now that I've been learning about how trauma affects the brain, I know that when you think of the trauma, your body thinks that it's still happening. And so it still sends you into the whole fight or flight response. So I would say if you've been through something traumatic and you're still thinking about it, and it doesn't have to be something as big as um, being abused. It could be, you know, being bullied as a kid or maybe not getting the attention and care that you needed as a child for whatever reason that it was. There's, you know, big trauma. Yeah, big T's, little T's. Let's just say um, if you're human, if you have a heartbeat, you need to dive into some emotional healing risk treatment and response or or whatever that looks like for you and uh i'm going to use my husband and i as an example because he comes from a very traumatic history like big t's all over his childhood from the moment he was basically born moment he was concept concepted actually but so he has a lot of those big t's in his history and he's done a lot of healing um he goes to weekend retreats where they're all for these healing type things. And people like to say, well, Andrew has all this healing and here is Kylie just sitting over here, just doing her thing, minding your own business, not really needing any of that. And that's not true because I've never shared this before, but I have healed numerous things. Now I wouldn't consider them big T traumas. And I wouldn't consider them abusive traumas, but there are things that, you know, one of my biggest healing things that I've had to work my guts out on is my relationship with money. And that comes from, you know, the, the simple subtleties of money doesn't grow on trees. We don't have money. We don't have money to buy this. Um, you know, just those simple things that we hear and we grow as growing up with kids. And then we tell our own kids. So now it's like, I tell my kids and I even instill this in my, in my own siblings and my family. It's what if, money did grow on trees because it could fall from the sky it's just this energy this that we you know so i've done a lot of healing that way and i tell my kids you know we we choose to spend our money in other places we're not going to get that today because we're going to choose our time to spend our money here and not on this and that's a totally different mind frame in both conscious and subconscious that like i said if you have a heartbeat you have some healing to do. It might not be big T traumas. It might be um, not to do with anybody else, but it might be something like myself where I've had to have more confidence in myself and gain a better relationship with money and a better relationship with my head talk, like what goes on between my ears. And so that way I can get on and do the things I can now. But two years ago, two and a half years ago, three years ago, I could never be doing what I am now. And I'm going to continue just like you probably are. Once you get into it and you see the results of what can happen, man, you're going to be all in it. And it's like, I don't care what other people think. And I don't care how much healing I have to go through. If this is what can happen with just this little teeny bit, what else is possible? Yeah. Yeah. That's so important. Um, 
now I think of healing as this continual lifelong journey because for me, I thought that I had healed. You know, I thought I had reached the end of the road. I thought this was as good as it was going to get. You know, I had really bad PTSD. And so I didn't have the PTSD anymore. I still had some anxiety, like after my second child and all these things, but I, I thought I'm healed. That's as much as I can do. And now I'm like, how much more can I heal? And I'm learning all these different modalities. How, how much better can life be? And exactly. that's really what it's about. As a, And as soon as you guys, if you haven't started this, any type of healing journey like this, you should. Because it's addictive. And it's an addictive in a way because you realize that you don't have to suffer anymore. You don't have to just live the way you're living. I don't care if you are living off of food stamps and you want to change your relationship with money and become a millionaire in two years. Go follow Nicole Mitchell. She's going to be on this podcast or she might have already been on it. But she's one of those stories. Ashley is the same story. She's got this chronic low back pain that you probably spent thousands and thousands of dollars on for treatment. And you were missing a big part of that healing journey. So now that we've covered how important this can really be and how life-changing it can be, and it's going to continue to be, what are some steps people can do to start healing? Yeah, so I think some of the biggest pieces for me, um, I went on a forgiveness journey and, you know, I learned this new perspective of forgiveness, not the one that we're raised on that you have to forgive someone and absolve them and say what they did was right. Um, but it was this different perspective where forgiveness is an inside job. It has nothing to do with the other person and everything mm -hmm. to do with them. because I mentioned earlier that I still had a lot of hate and anger towards this person. and you know, I realized that it was only hurting myself to continue festering this hate inside of me. And so once I was able to release and forgive in my own way, only with myself and not with this other person, I think that was a really big piece of my healing journey. Um, and mindfulness and meditation. I try to meditate every single morning. Um, I just get, it's so important for me to quiet my mind. I know I was always thinking about the trauma. So really getting to a quiet space has been very helpful. Um, another thing is my gratitude practice. You know, every morning I write five things that I'm grateful for. And I try to just find gratitude in everything, even things like paying the bills. I find gratitude with that we have running water and that somebody is taking care of the water and all these things. Um, that was huge. And then um, cord cutting meditations and inner child work too were some big pieces of my healing journey. I would say that's more of what I've done too. The inner child work. What do you mean by cord cutting? Cord cutting. So it's um, a type of meditation and practice of cutting the energetic cords that are between you and another person. Okay. And the way that I did, I did like this 15 minute meditation and inside of the meditation, it's like a, a guided visual meditation. You cut the cords that are attached between you and the person you want to detach them from. And, you know, it was very, uh, very emotional. <laughs> and I think it's, that's a big part of it is finally releasing all of the emotions instead of keeping them all bottled up inside. 
not only consciously but subconsciously too yeah subconsciously it's 90 percent of our human being it's our existence and that's what we don't even know is there because it's subconscious yeah okay so i wrote down five things here um whether you want to call them steps or call them action ways to take action on your healing journey to start so step number one is you have to be open to the possibilities and you have to be open to realizing that the journey is going to be a roller coaster ride you're going to have some ups and downs just like you are with any type of physical treatment step number two um forgiveness it's an inside job love that because that other person they don't give a crap exactly it's on <laughs> it's all on you step number three be very careful about the head talk and calm your mind. And one of the best mindfulness or mindset tips I've heard is if you have the negative head talk, you just, okay, I hear it, I can, or whatever you want to say, I hear it, I feel it, I can see it or whatever. I'm going to forgive myself and I choose something else. And then you replace the thought. You got to replace it. Number four, uh, always being grateful. It's so simple and yet so overlooked. Number five, healing the inner child and if needed, cord cutting. And let's just say it's going to be required because there are people in your life who are toxic. Cut the cord. Move on. Find people who are going to help you reach the location you want to be. So there's your five tips or five steps to healing emotional trauma that can be stored as physical pain as Ashley has suggested. Okay, Ashley, you find yourself helping individuals now who have suffered something similar or some way, shape or form have physical trauma or sorry, physical symptoms because of this emotional trauma. Um, how can they reach out and find you and work with you more? Um, so I am mostly on Instagram. So my handles at Ashley underscore Holic, and that's where I'm going to have all of my information. My website is linked there as well. Okay, cool. And uh, last final tips of advice for anybody who's sitting in those shoes that you were sitting in at any point in your journey, really, because again, this is a lifetime journey. Yes, I definitely want to say just continue working on yourself and give yourself grace too. It's not always going to be pretty or easy. There's going to be lots of ugly crying, but just keep going, keep working towards it because it is so, so worth it. You know, I suffered for 12 years and I didn't even know why. So keep going. Yeah. And if you're thinking I'm not going to reach for the next supplement, that's a wise choice. Reach for the next healing modality and not just physical. If you need help, Ashley's your girl. Thanks, Ashley. Thank you. Who wants to come hang out with me in Florida in February of 2023? If you're a practitioner, you have an opportunity to come join me inside the brand new live and in-person event Orlando, Florida at the Wyndham Grand Bonnet Creek Resort. 
February 20th, 21st, and 22nd of 2023. Mark your calendars because registration begins in November with details out in November and there is early bird sign up if you get in and join us before the end of the year. So stay tuned. This is for you practitioners. I'm going to bring you the best marketing mindset and business experts in the world because this is something we all need, yet we don't receive. So mark your calendars, February 20, 21st, and 22nd. Not only am I going to bring you the best experts, but I'm going to celebrate your success with you. We're gonna celebrate on that Monday night, that Tuesday night, and that Wednesday night. So you can fly in on Monday, but don't fly out until Thursday. Hang out with us and celebrate your successes because the only way to measure success is to measure it backwards. This podcast is sponsored by my favorite supplement companies. If you're not using them in your practice, you should. If you're not using them and don't have them in your cupboard, you should. And by the way, don't get these on Amazon. These are counterfeit on Amazon. My favorite supplement companies are Systemic Formulas and MyBiome. If you are a practitioner, come join me inside their private Facebook group for practitioners called Systemic Formulas Clinical Nutrition. Everybody else, join them on Instagram at Systemic Formulas. 